The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, in the in the book of Isaiah, which is just one of the most significant books of the Bible and certainly one of the high water marks of the Old Testament, there's 39 chapters that really have, I mean, there is some love and hope and comfort, but a lot of words about judgment and warnings. And then Isaiah 40 takes a little bit different of a turn, and we're going to get into Isaiah 40, and we're going to talk about comfort and blessing and the, the mercy and the glory of God. And with that, I invite you to turn to Isaiah 40 in the Old Testament. We want to welcome you to today's edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarlane here with Bert Harper, coming to you from the studios of the American Family Radio Network. And here on Exploring the Word, uh, Bert, don't we have a great privilege Every day we look into the Scriptures, the Word of God, and this is a very special passage of God's Word we're going to look at today. It's such a privilege and honor to be able to do this, and it brings on much responsibility to bring the Word of God, and uh, it is a living Word, okay? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's changing. Right. You catch what I'm saying? But it does change lives. Uh, but it is living, really, when you look at Isaiah, and people have called it the Bible in miniature yes, uh, because of the way it is laid out, the first 39 uh, chapters, 39 books in the Old Testament, then 27, uh, 27 books in the New Testament. And, and at that mark, and, and this was written 800 years before the New Testament comes into being. Yes. And so you have this Bible in miniature like God was giving. I'm going to get you a little bit of glimpse what I have in mind. And uh, he, he did that all the time. You know, a yeah. lot of the prophecies and different things that took place in the Psalms and Isaiah, uh, several places, they had double. It was it was immediate that was going to happen, but it was also ultimate that would happen. And, you know, only God could do that. <laughs> God God does that. Hey, let's think about that. God does it with our lives. Oh, yeah. he, immediately, we receive this relationship with him that is so real. And it's a relationship that grows, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, we become all things have become, that word in Second Corinthians has the idea, all things are becoming. They have become and continue to Amen. become new. And, you know, his mercies are what? New every morning? Yeah. The walk with Christ is a great adventure. And, and so here in Isaiah 40, uh, you have, I, I wouldn't say at a turning point, but you have it come in. And I love how it opens up, comfort. Comfort ye, my people. Okay. Who is known as the comforter? The Holy Spirit. So here we find out the ministry of God is is complete. Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And uh, that's what he does. For God so loved the world that he sent his Son. Okay? And then the Son said, if I don't go away, the Spirit will not come, but I'm sending him. And he's going to convict the world of sin and of judgment, and he's going to be a comforter to you called the paraclete. So when you come to Isaiah chapter 40, 
Alex, I, I, there's some anticipation. Here. Yes, there really is, and and Isaiah introduces you to the very character and nature of God. Amen. Well, you know, two words I think about when I when I think of Isaiah. There's the proximate and the ultimate. That's it. Now, ultimate means way down the road, but proximate means right up close. And um, the way we sometimes think about it in our life, you might be going through something really hard today, and maybe in a proximate sense, you're in a, in a tough place. But if you trust the Lord, ultimately, it's going to make sense. And that's one of the beautiful things about the wisdom and the power of God. And many scriptures attest to this. But um, everything you go through, he can weave it into your good and his glory. And we look ultimately, I, you know, I look in my own life and I see things that I um, learned or experienced even as a child that inform who I am as a Christian today and different things. And uh, so Isaiah, that's one of those where we see it very vividly. A lot of these prophecies, they did have a meaning for the people that were contemporary at the time of the writing, but then they had a meaning for history way on down the road. You know, I, I honestly believe what you've just said demonstrates the sovereignty of God more than anything. This is this is just Bert Harper. I, I'm not speaking for everybody else, but when I think of God's sovereignty, His control, His power, Him who who is able to take the things that we even mess up, we miss. And he weaves it for good. Oh, yeah. I, I'm constantly amazed at what he has done in, in my life, the mistakes I've made. But he's helped me learn from those mistakes and even build uh, something that came from that to make it good. Now, the mistake, if it was a mistake, is a mistake. If it was a sin, there are mistakes and then there's sin. Yeah, okay? that's true. Uh, you just sometimes you miss because there's nothing uh, deliberate about it. There's nothing disobedient. You just, man, that that was. But God is able to do that in such a way that demonstrates his power. And it, it is for his glory and our good. And, and I, you know, that's more than just words. And here in Isaiah 40, I, I think the glory of God is, is demonstrated in seeing. Amen. Well, let me say one last word about being patient with the stresses of the day or whatever. A few months ago, I bought a desk, and I went to an office place, and I bought it. It's a pretty nice desk, but it was one you had to assemble. And, I mean, I I love to build things and do things, but, honest, this desk, the, the drawers, the hinges, the little rollers, I mean, this thing easily had 300 parts to it. And it, the instructions for assembling this desk were like a small book. Uh, but it said, you know, inventory the parts, and every part is numbered. And there were a few things. It said, um, find part A7 and join it to G13, and here's a fastener. Now set this aside. And there were a few things early in the assembly of this desk, and there were these just incongruous odd little pieces of metal or wood. I thought, what in the world is that going to be? And it would say, set this aside till you get to step 25. Now get back to this other thing. Eventually, all the pieces came together, and I had a very nice desk, which I'm using to this day. But I think about life. Maybe right now you're you're putting a few puzzle pieces together, and you think, what in the world is going on here? Set it at the foot of the cross and just trust God. 
And as Vance Havner said, for the Christian, eventually all of our question marks become exclamation points. That thing that we just don't understand right now for the believer, and this is part of the comfort of God, comfort ye my people. Look, whether it's a sin you need forgiveness of or whether it's just a a poor decision that you're wanting God to help you with or maybe it's a, a setback that you just didn't see coming, trust me. God will help you through it. Set it aside. Leave it in the Lord's hands. One day it'll all make sense. Amen. That does bring comfort. So let's let's get started here on Isaiah uh, 40. It is a – for Isaiah, it's not necessarily a long chapter. Isaiah yeah, has not. some very long chapters, but it is relatively long. But let's dig into it. Let me read the first two verses, and, and they have to do with uh, Israel – uh, now, when it's about Israel, it's about Israel. But if it's about a nation and God is using that, it can be helpful for a nation for us today. Comfort, yes, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, again, I think this is specific concerning them, but there's two things in there that I think we can look at it and draw from for us, the comfort that God gives. God does want to uh, bring comfort. It says for us as believers in the New Testament, we're to comfort others with the comfort by which we've been comforted. Amen. Now, now, Alex, uh, I've said this on the radio probably more than one or two times as pastor for over 40 years, I've gone to the emergency room and to uh, intensive care many, many times as pastor trying to help a family that was in hard times and difficulty. And they were thankful and proud to see me. I was proud to be there, thankful I could to pray with them and be there with them for a little while. But this has happened several times. I would be there with them. And then all of a sudden, there would be someone walk in, that family that was hurting with the loved one that was either in the emergency room waiting or the intensive care. They took their eyes off of me, and immediately their eyes met this person that was coming through. I would instinctively turn around and guess most of the time who it was, somebody who had gone through what they were going through. The person walking in had gone through it and had come out on the other side, yeah. they were they had gone through what this present family, they were there to comfort. Guess what? It says comfort though others with the comfort you've been comforted with many times. Honestly, it all only takes your presence for them to see, hey, they made it. Amen. They made it through. If they can, I can. And it gives hope. So that comfort is real. The Holy Spirit, power of God, yes, but also the comfort that God has brought to you and you share it with others. Do you remember the old song, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee? And there's a line that says, be of sin the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. Well, it says here, uh, speak comfort to Jerusalem. Okay, beautiful. Her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. So I was reading that, and I thought, well, what, double punishment? Well, um, half the time I think the punishment for, or the repercussions, God just lets us 
get in the the mess of our own making. But in in this Isaiah forty one and two, um, in other words, your your sin and the atonement that you need is amply provided for. Man. More um, Exodus talks about fo- folding a garment in half twice, a double fold. Well, um, let me say this: return to God, and He will abundantly pardon. In other words, for their guilt, God has more than made a way for them to be restored to him. I couldn't help but think of also, Paul, talking about grace. God's grace is sufficient. Yeah, I'd say it's more than sufficient. It will bring us through. And, and the latter part of this, real quickly, before we, we go to break, in verses 3, 4, and 5, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. I don't have to go any further. Who do you think of? Mm, I'm thinking the, the first Baptist preacher, <laughs> John the Baptist. Yes. Am I right? So here it is. Notice the comfort, but all of a sudden it goes to the one crying in the wilderness. I see hope in it. Now, we're going to get more than that. But you see the hope, one crying in the yes. wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway. Uh, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain hill shall be made low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What a passage of Scripture. And this is the part that we're talking about in Isaiah 40 through uh, 66, being a picture of the New Testament. And we get it here in the, these three verses. We get John the Baptist, the promise of him, the promise of the Messiah coming, and the glory of the Lord mm. being revealed. Alex, I, I would say that glory was revealed in Christ Jesus. Amen. And he is coming back one day, and yes, every eye will see him. Hey, folks, this is Exploring the Word. Bert and I are in Isaiah 40. Sure would love for you to stay with us and keep listening, and we're going to continue in this very special portion of the Word of God on today's broadcast. Don't go away. We're back after this. When will things be made right? Will there ever be? Is this utopia that Thoreau, that a lot of folks have been talking about, hoping for, wanting? Is it ever going to come or, you know, will it come? Well, yes, it will come. And From every, man or, or God going to have to do something? It's going to be the peace on earth when <laughs> we have the Prince of Peace return. And, um, you know, I was reading this in Isaiah chapter 40. It says that every valley will be exalted, every mountain, and he'll be brought low. The crooked be made straight, the rough places made smooth. You and I just had a book come out, To God Be the Glory. Many times publishers would hand me a manuscript. And they'd say, we're in the process of editing, but here, Alex, take this file and iron out the wrinkles. And I know what they mean whenever they would tell me to iron out the wrinkles, go back through and clean up some things. And let me say, regarding this old world, one day God himself will come and iron out the wrinkles, won't he? He will. uh, He's going to make everything right when Christ returns. But verse 5, the first verse there is just, it grabs me. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Um, Is it veiled a little bit right now? 
you know, you know, the it's Jesus when he took on flesh was the glory veiled in flesh, yeah. and at the Mount of Transfiguration, it was unveiled. Yes, and and so we think of Moses. You know, he had to be hidden in the cleft of the rock while God passed by, and he looked on quote his hinder parts, mm-hmm. as it says in the King. I love the King James version. On some, you just don't get any better picture than they can try to put it into more modern terms, but sometimes it just needs to stay. Uh, I, well, I'll put it that way. I'm not going to say it needs to stay that way, but it is picturesque that way. So, because no man can look on me and live. Now, one of these days, that complete glory of God will be revealed, and we'll be able to behold it one yeah. of these days. But until then, we, you know, it's it's veiled, but He and, does reveal Himself, and the glory is revealed in in us and to us, isn't it? It, it is, and. The, the glory of God is not completely manifested right now. I mean, although Psalm 19 says the heavens and earth bear witness to the glory of God. I You know, where are some places that we see the glory of God? I think when we see, I, I've seen the glory of God when uh, uh, an elderly person is lovingly caring for the spouse that they've walked along with for 50 years. And, um, you know, I've, we've all heard stories of, let's say, a, a, a married couple, one is injured or one gets a debilitating disease or cancer, and um, a, a spouse stays with their mate through the deep valley or the birth of a child. There, there are a lot of things in life, the love of a, of a friend or whatever, that lift our spirits, and we, we see the glory of God in little snippets, but one day— there is coming a day when the world will see the king. There's coming a day when all the sin is going to be put away, and the Bible says God will dry every tear. There'll be no more death, no more sickness. And, friend, you want to be there on what has been called the crowning day. And not just us getting rewards in it. We're talking about the the king and the coronation, the bridegroom and the bride, the glory of Jesus King of kings, will be manifest for all to see. Amen. Verse 6 and and 7 has the idea of eternity. Notice what the voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all of its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people's are grass. Now, I want to tell you, the Word of God stands forever, and we can depend on it. The grass withers, the flower fades, but guess what? God's Word stands stands forever. forever. And so eternity, and and let me just share with you, uh, there's a lot of things we have a hard time getting our minds around the Trinity, you know, uh, God's sovereignty and its completeness, but I would say another one is eternity. You know, we even say in eternity past. <laughs> yeah, eternity I know. future, which in a way is a misnomer. It is, yeah. <laughs> it is. But how in the world do you describe? You know that little symbol that says infinity. You know, yeah, an, an eight on its side. Yeah, yeah. And and so, Alex, eternity. Uh, we as believers, we step out of time at our at our point of death the door mm-hmm. into eternity. Yeah. Uh, 
until then, we live in time. We mark time by yeah. days, by weeks, by months, by years, by seasons. You know, mm-hmm. we do that. But eternity. And when we talk about eternal life, most of the time, the first thing we think about is length. But eternal life is not only quantity, it's quality as well, mm-hmm. isn't it? Well, it is. You know, I and I don't want to get kind of abstract on you, but one time Dr. Norm Geisler, great theologian, we, we were talking about um, matter and space. And there are length, width, height, you know. And Dr. Geisler said that when, when God called creation into existence, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be planets and stars. God spoke the world into existence. And Dr. Geisler was trying to explain as best he could how the physics of reality, everything is interwoven. Now, now, hear me out here. We know there's planet Earth, because here we are, and there's the sun and the moon and, and the solar system. So there's space, and there are, there's matter within space. Then the solar system is turning, and there's a word the Greeks use, chronos, from which we get the word chronology, time. And I'm 57 right now. And in a way, that means I've taken 57 rides around the sun. Now, here's the thing. We think of eternity by duration. But in a way, all that you are is going to get redeemed. Not only the time, you're going to be with the Lord forever. But your body, will be renewed. Your mind will be renewed. Your emotions will be filled with rapture rapturous joy. And just like the created world, you cannot separate matter, space, and time. I mean, you can't take planet Earth out of the space we're in and put it somewhere else. Matter, space, and time are inextricably woven together. Here's my point. We, we simply do not fully comprehend and cannot explain the joy, the greatness, the thrill, the happiness, the rapture of when you step into the presence of Jesus. Body, soul, spirit, time, all that you are will be in a whole nother realm, and it will be glorious. Think of the magnitude. Now, for me, I said when I was 12 years old, Tuesday night in August, God came into this 12-year-old boy's life and changed his life. I mean, that's that's something he did. Uh, I've shared it before. He changed my life. I He came into my life, okay? Can you imagine the day when we come into his presence, the, the just the magnitude of that? Now, we I think, you know, the song I can only imagine, and it gives those different things. Will I dance before you, Jesus, or will I bow, or will I— in awe of you, you be still. still. Uh, I, in you know, with me, with my desire to be humor, I always say, I think you'll do the right, the opposite of what you're doing now. You know, in other words, I'm kind of an out there guy. Yeah. You know, praise God, hold up my hand, yes, pump my fist. I got a feeling when I stand before Him, all of that's going to come down. I'm just going to stand before Him in complete silence. I got a feeling some of those people that are kind of more dignified than myself and kind of now they love the Lord as much as anybody you catch what I'm saying but they're they're more reserved in their temperament I think they're going to cut loose on that. Uh, amen. <laughs> you know they, they, maybe they will and and by the way let me just say this friend um, 
in Isaiah here, it says the word of our God stands forever. All flesh is as grass. Hey, you know what? Um, I've spent a lot of my life mowing grass. There's just one thing about the Carolinas down there. uh, Grass grows everywhere. And um, it's interesting. You can cut the green grass go inside to get some water and come back out there, and that grass that's been cut down is already turning brown and getting very brittle. And uh, I've mowed a lot of grass. I've raked a lot of grass. Here's the thing. Uh, part of the reason we talk about eternity so much is we f- we don't fully understand the, um, the radical change of going from the temporal to the eternal. But I want to say this. It's a radical change, and it's a permanent change. That's why, listen, if you're not saved, okay, we we beg of you to turn to Christ while you have an opportunity because there is no second chance after death. There, Do not be misled. There is no second chance after death. Now, entering the presence of Jesus, let's just multiply this times a million. It's fullness of joy, right? On the flip side— Stepping into eternity without Christ, the horror, no turning back, the emptiness, the absence, the darkness, the aloneness. Um, I wish I had words adequate to convey just from Scripture what we know about the well. Psalm one hundred and well, Psalm fifty-five, five, and Psalm one nineteen. Eternity apart from God, it, it uses the word horror. You don't want your eternity to be an endless horror movie, but that's what it would be without Christ. So know this, that eternity, it's, it's a radically wonderful realm or a frighteningly horrible realm, but it is a permanent realm. Oh, so make sure you have Jesus. Amen. And verses uh, 9 through 11, uh, it talks about Jerusalem, but I did want to get to verse 10, look the middle part of it for time because there's a lot of verses here. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. I want to concentrate on that word reward, uh, Alex. You know, God, let me, I know he has crowns that we find out in the New Testament that God will give those. Mm -hmm. But listen, the reward is his presence. You, You know, uh, people want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I believe in it. Don't don't get me wrong. But His presence, <clears throat> His power comes with His presence. You, you know, oh, absolutely. Where He is, there He is. His and it's in His. So the His reward is what with Him. Amen. Oh, I love that. That's that's verse ten. And and by the way, it says in His presence is. Fullness of joy. Amen. That's the whole idea. Uh, and that's what we're talking about. You were talking about you don't want to go into eternity without Jesus Christ. Being in his presence, people want to know about heaven. I, I believe heaven's a real place for real people. Amen. I know there's a new Jerusalem coming down, and I know the streets of gold, the gates of pearl, the walls, you know, all. But I am just telling the, the part of heaven that's great is being in his presence. Amen. Now, I know I, we'll probably go through. He'll have to wipe the tears from our eyes because we stand before him, and we'll be like Peter when Jesus caught his eyes, when Peter uh, was denying him and Jesus was being arrested and tried, you know, and their, he, his eye, their eyes met, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. I got a feeling we, there'll be some tears at because it says 
he's going to wipe away the tears. Yeah. I got a feeling we're going to, man, I, I, I didn't know it was this good. I didn't, I, if I'd have known, it would have been so much more out people I would have told. Yes, you catch what I'm exactly. saying? But the reward is what? With him, I, I would say this. I'm going to add it's a word beautiful. here, and I don't mean to add to it, but the reward, reward is being with him. Being with, amen. That that's true. That's so true. You know, um, I've got a, a record of uh, blues music from like the twenties, and a lot of people may not know this, but there was a whole strata of gospel blues yes. that came. In fact, I heard about that here in yeah. Mississippi. We're down here in the Delta. We're in the birthplace of the blues, but there were a lot of gospel singers, and some of the songs are just amazing. And there's this old song. It's coming up on 100 years old, called He Is My Story. And there's a line, uh, it says, He is my story, he is my song. Gladly I praise him all the day long. And, you know, when we talk about this, um, it is. We know heaven is the streets of gold, but um, the, we want to see Jesus. <laughs> that's that's heaven, is to be in the presence of, of the Savior. He is the loving Savior. He is the victor. Death could not hold him. He rose from the grave. He paid our sin. And I love what you did with this verse here, Bert, that his reward is with him. That's the joy of heaven is being with the Savior, isn't it? It is. Now, transition is going to make be made in this. It, we've been concentrated on the comfort he gives, but now we're going to be looking at the character that he is. In other words, what he does brings comfort. You got it? Yeah, sure. But who he is... Amen. Is he is what the comforter? Yes. Listen to verse twelve. Who has measured? And this has to do with his greatness. We get comfort from knowing how great our God is. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. Weighed the mountains and scales and hills in a balance. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him a way of understanding? That sounds a lot like Job. I, I was just going to say, it sounds does it, doesn't it? Like God asked Job, you know, um, hey, by the way, Job, you who reply against God, where were you when I built the world? Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, if you know, tell me, you know. This is his, this is who he is. He, <clears throat> he is that great. The, he measures the waters in the hollow of his hand. Uh, the Atlantic, the Pacific, uh, the Gulf of Mexico, all the seas of all the oceans, God could <laughs> cup his hand and hold all that in his hand. That's how great God is. Amazing. And, you know, um, they talked about the, the hand they would measure, span. a hand breadth, a span. Uh, for God to reach across the, the universe, that's just fingertip to fingertip. That's our God. He is a great God. And here's the greatest part. We can know him. This great God who made all this, revealed it to us, we can know him. I hope you know him. We'll be back right after this break. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. There's a better life. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper. We are looking at Isaiah 40. 
And uh, Bert has taken us through a wonderful outline that he's created about Israel and deliverance, about God's character. And by the way, you can listen to this show again on AFR.net. In fact, all of the shows are archived there, Exploring the Word and Goodness, so much great programming. Tell somebody about AFR.net. And, uh, you know, there's news, there's current events, there's inspirational teaching, there's Bible study like we do. And we just, uh, if if it sounds like we're excited about the Word of God and all this content, it's because we are. We are. And we, are. Uh, we appreciate you listening. If you want to correspond with us, if you've got a question or comment, um, word at AFR.net, W-O-R-D, word at AFR.net, and we would be very honored to hear from you. And so, Bert, Isaiah 40, I've got a—I'm reading verse 12 here. Have you ever had to move a yard of dirt? A whole yard? A yard. And, You're uh, talking about y- the measurement? Yes. No, I have not. Uh, well, and it's a lot of dirt. Uh, I was helping Angie. I think I've done a pile, but not <laughs> yeah. quite a yard. So we were trying to make a flower bed, and we got some topsoil, and they brought it, and it was like two yards of dirt. Now, three feet by three feet by three feet. Uh, let me just say a yard of dirt, that's a Saturday afternoon project. And, and uh, of course, I guess I needed the exercise, but... When I read, it says that God has calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales. You've seen a, a balancing scale where it's almost like a plate. Uh, the, uh, the balance that they would weigh gold or weigh things of value, imagine kind of a plate about seven or eight inches across. Well, the Bible says that God holds the oceans in the hollow of his hand, all the dust of the earth. And it's the, you know, scientists have tried to calculate the mass of this planet and all the rocks and all the mountains. To God, that's just six ounces in his scale. Um, The vastness of this world, and yet the Creator is beyond it all, above it all, within it all, but yet able to manage and oversee it all. That's the powerful God we serve. That's our God. Uh, Was it? Uh, S.M. Lockridge that talks about that's my God. I love that. that. And this is our God. This is the God we serve. This is the God that has permitted us to know him. We love him because he first loved us. We come to him because he first came to us. That's the God we serve. And verse 15 starts off, uh, the next three things we're looking at is the strength on earth that is demonstrated, the strength in the heavens. In other words, his greatness and his strength is not diminished by location. You got it? And then finally, verses 27 through 31, which I really want to get to, may rush through these others so we can get to that. God's strength in us, this same strength that that he holds the the waters and the hollows of his hand, he he comes to us. But listen to verse 15, and I'll just make a mention of it, and you can make a comment. I, I just, the first part, because it has become a vernacular. Behold, the nations are, are as a drop in a bucket. If you, ever, you know, that's become part of the vernacular. Oh, yeah. that's just a drop in the bucket. Yeah, I and know. And the nations are a drop in the bucket. I mean— that's compared to the greatness of God 
and look at the nations that have thought they were so powerful. Drop in a bucket. The sun never sets on the British Empire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. Well, they estimate, you know, right now there's well over 7 billion people alive. In all of history, maybe 50 billion people, maybe more than that. And yet, it's a drop in the bucket, isn't yeah, it? It is. To, to God. And um, it talks about that uh, the, they're counted as small dust on the scales, we could talk about that illustration. But the bottom line, all of the nations, even culture, as much as we appreciate art and literature and culture, it's nothing compared to God's revealed truth. And man's religion sacrifices. It doesn't count for a thing. Yeah. I mean, the only way to be right with the Lord, the, the only way to get straight with God is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so um, all of this created world really just pales in comparison to the Creator. And now we're talking about the earth. We're just yeah. talking about the earth as is is. But when you move to 21 and following, we're talking about the, the heavens declare His glory. You know? Yes. Look, look, if you would, verse 21 and 22. If you need to go back some, I, but I want to make sure, I do want to get to those last yes. verses there, 27 to 31. But it says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits upon the circle of the sphere of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Going out in the night sky, I can't imagine Abraham getting the promise from God, and it said, I'm going to make your descendants like the stars in the sky. Yeah. Now, God knew them. Not only does he know them, he knows them by name, right? Yes. And he, as the sands of the sea, uh, but the the heavens really do declare his glory. Oh, uh, yes. You ever see Venus, the, you, you know, the first light in yeah. the evening? Uh, if I'm out at that time, I, oh, there's Venus. I didn't recognize it. Can't recognize all of them. But he knows them by name. Yeah. And that's... What do you do? Where does it end? I always remember this. Where does it end? It can end. What do you do? Come to a wall and it says the end. Now you know there's something else on the other side of the wall. Yeah, exactly. That's that's our God. That's how big he is, Alex. The greatness is is shown even in the heavens. Well, uh, you know, the, the question is asked here, to whom then will you liken me or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? And the, the answer is nobody. <laughs> I mean, uh, who do we compare God to? God is in a category of one. I mean, there's God. <laughs> he he doesn't. You do not add God to your list. Mm-mm. Do you remember the story about Chuck Swindoll going to Brazil the first time he went down there? Mm-mm. He was preaching, and he was talking about Jesus. And, man, there was thousands there to hear, and hundreds came forth. After it was over, the missionary took him to his side and said, we're not trying to help you. But uh, you need to understand that you need to, they need to understand that Jesus is exclusive. You, when you serve him, you don't serve other gods because it was the spiritism, oh, yeah. you know, many gods. And, and the way it was, they came forward. They wanted to add Jesus sure. to their list. Mm-mm. Jesus is the list, right? Amen. He, he's Amen. either the list or not being on the list. Is that 
That, that's right. He's Well, as, uh, again, Vance Havner, one of our heroes, said, he's either Lord of all or he's Lord not at all. That's right. And so Isaiah says here, lift up your eyes on high and see who has created all these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. The greatest thing you could ever do is to come to Christ. Here's the thing. You you may have nothing, but if you have Jesus, you have everything. On the flip side, you might have everything, but if you don't have Jesus, you're you're broke. You know, um, years and years and years ago, there was a very wealthy man. I'm not going to belabor the illustration, but this guy had all the world's riches. This was easily 30 years ago, and he was being interviewed by Dan Rather. And um, the bottom line, he had. Opulent house, probably a dozen houses, more antiques, a multi, multi, multi billionaire. And Dan Rather said, Well, you know, you're getting old. Any wise advice before you pass away? And this particular billionaire, I'll never forget, it was on, on TV. You could tell he was frightened, he was afraid, and he, he was clueless as to how to prepare for his soon inevitable death. And I thought all the riches in the world, which this man had, could not bring peace to an unsaved soul. And yet, you could be penniless. But if you call on Jesus, the King of glory will come into your life. And you have everything. You don't want to gain the world's riches and not have Christ. It will not. Is there anything that will replace Christ? Mm-mm. Money? Nothing. How about education? No. How about control? No, power, fame. And Jesus asked this question. Forgive me for interrupting. Jesus said, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? And the word profit there uh, is really an an increase. You know, if you let's say you put some money in your savings account and it makes a little bit of interest. Well, the profit on X amount of money, let's say you made $100 interest or whatever. Jesus is saying, if you live your life it does. You might accomplish things, see things, experience things, accumulate things. But if you lose your soul, you have profited nothing. And so, friend, we're asking you today to do the thing that is the, the richest investment you'll ever make, the wisest decision you'll ever make, the most prudent thing you'll ever do. And that is today begin a relationship with the Lord who loves you so. With that in mind, we come to verse 27, and this is climactic. Now, we've already talked about him holding the waters of the earth in the hollow of his hand, him measuring with the span of his hand the earth, (laughs) the greatness of his power, the heavens declaring who he is. Now listen to this. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? And my just claim is passed over by my God. Now, verse 28, have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator, the ends of the earth? That's what what we've been going over, right? It says, neither faints nor is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, Alex, here it is. Through a relationship with God, through Jesus Christ, this great God who made the heavens and the earth, this great God who is no measuring of his power, chooses to come and dwell in us. Alex, does that blow your mind? It does. It does. And you know what? The one that fills the galaxies can fit himself into the human heart. Only God. Isn't that amazing? Hey, look at the word renew there. <laughs> and, of course, um, among the word of God, this is a very famous verse, Isaiah forty thirty one. 31. Uh, Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. If you've ever seen a bird, bird like it. take flight, yeah. it's a beautiful thing. It is. Because uh, the power of gravity, we, we humans can't overcome that. Although the Wright brothers, you know, they they prayed about it and studied the wings of birds, and they figured out how to overcome the pull of gravity. But a, uh, an eagle can take flight, all right? That's impressive. But the word renew, I hear this in the news, sustainability. Uh, winter, about two years ago, it was so bitterly cold, and uh, they were talking about uh, power outages, and I was watching some scientists on the news who said, um, we need a power source that is renewable, sustainable. Well, you know what? Uh, I'll tell you, the Bible says those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. The sustainable power source is the one who has all power. The, 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 the insight and the guidance you need comes from the one who has all wisdom. The, the healing and the restoration comes from the one who makes all things new. That's him, and only him. Now, what we have here is men failing miserably in their own strength. The weak, (laughs) the the old, the youth, they, they do not measure up. No matter what age, no matter what physique you might have, they do not measure up. But like you said, those that wait upon the that word wait is expectant, uh, energized yes. in him. Those that are in, that might, that might be a good word. Those is doesn't say it in the Greek or Hebrew, but those that are energized in him, you know, these the source, the battery source. Yeah. It says they shall renew their strength, and you've used it. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. How beautiful! But honestly. I want to share with you, I think this is in ascending order. In other words, it starts up here and flying, then running, and then walking. But guess what? In the biblical mandates of Scripture, walking with the Lord is the highest gate. In other words, you catch what I'm saying? I'll put it this way. To get excited and you mount up with God in worship and uh, we've we've done that this morning. We're recording this, yeah. And in an earlier recording with Jim Stanley, uh, we we had glory in in this studio as uh, and we mounted up with wings, man. We were glorifying the Lord. But then you run, run the race. You know, you that has the idea of completing the race, the marathon. Yes. yes. But then walk. This is your daily walk. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? Uh, you know, Enoch walked with God. This, uh, let me just say, this is the highest relationship. Yes, is walking with God. You, yeah. you catch what I'm and saying by ascending up. Isn't it interesting? It says, um, 
Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Not those who work, not those who try real hard, but to wait and walk with the Lord. We will not faint. We hope chapter 40 of Isaiah has blessed you. The way it has blessed Alex and myself, just going over it. Uh, now, it would take this, if we were preaching a sermon on this, we'd have to probably have three or four sermons. We've gone an overview of it, but we hope that you see the strength of God in the universe and in the earth is available in your life through that relationship with Christ. Know him, share him, tell him about others. But more importantly than anything else, walk with him. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word.